This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our edition of Invest Talk. Thank you for joining us. I'm Justin Klein, and I'm here today while Steve Peasley takes a few days off and it's okay because it gives me a chance to spend more time with you answering your questions, our Invest Talk listeners. Now, as you know, Steve and I welcome your questions here on our radio platform, and we're happy to take specific stock questions, of course, but also anything money related. We can talk about various other topics as long as they are related to investing and saving and retiring and uh, being just financially secure, financially independent, okay? Now, perhaps you wonder whether you, the do-it-yourself type of investor, is making the right decisions. Maybe you need an explanation of a certain investing term or process or strategy or style. Well, we do our best to get you serious and unbiased answers on today's program. But I need you to call in with your questions at 888 chart We encourage your participation. Once again, that is 888-992-4278. Now, at some point, almost everyone has some debt. Take on some debt, whether that's a mortgage or uh, student loans or a credit card debt, hopefully, hopefully not. But if you are young, married, and you've got one or more children, you might have more debt than others. Even if you earn a decent paycheck. And maybe your debt balances are uncomfortable. And you know you need to pay them down as quickly as possible. But where do you start? How do you begin that process? I'll look into that in just a few minutes. But before I dig into that story and some others, let's follow Invest Talk's tradition and go to a recorded call that came in earlier on our anytime listener line at 888 chart Hello, this is uh, Jeff calling from uh, Woodland, California. I have, uh, enjoy your show. I just received your newsletter and so forth. And you talk about certain sectors of the market that are overweight and underweight. Could you um, elaborate that on your next program? I guess I was under the misconception that overweight meant that you probably could, should sell the stock as opposed to retaining or even increasing it in your portfolio. So I look forward to your question, and I'll listen to you on air. Bye-bye. Well, what he's referring to is if you're an Invest Talk Insider, you'll get our monthly market update and forecast. And we we, we put each of the different asset classes uh, in different categories, both underweight, equal weight, and underweight. Uh, basically, what that means is based on your your, your normal allocation for that particular sector or industry, you want to be have more of it or less of it. Okay? 
And the reason we say that is because a lot of people say, well, is this stock good to buy? Or is this industry good right now? Well, that answer is going to differ between people and circumstances and goals. Right? You might like, uh, and we might like, a particular company, but it's, uh, it's aggressive. Right? It's uh, aggressive by nature. Maybe it doesn't pay a dividend. Maybe it's a small cap stock. Or maybe it's just an industry that is cyclical. And for somebody who is an aggressive investor, a 5% allocation to that particular stock may make sense for them. And when we say, well, let's go with the sector. Let's say we are underweight a sector, and typically your average allocation is 5%. Well, maybe you want to bring it down to 3 or 2%. Because you're an aggressive investor, and it's cyclical. Whereas maybe a conservative investor, they want some exposure there, but they don't want a ton. And so a normal allocation might be 2 or 3%. And an underweight should be either maybe a 1% position or eliminate it from the portfolio right now. Okay, So that's what we talk about. You know, People will call up, well, what do you think of this sector? How much should I put in this stock? Well, a lot depends on your risk profile. How risky is that particular investment or sector? Okay, So hope that clarifies. Underweight is what you want to have lower than what you typically would want to own long term in that particular stock or, or sector or asset class. Overweight is you want to increase that, maybe a little higher than what you would expect long term. And then equal weight is obviously uh, having your, your normal allocation in that particular asset class. Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. Now, in preparing for today's program, we came across a good how-to story at investopedia.com. concerns the subject of personal debt. Now, almost everyone has some personal debt at any given time. So we're going to take a look by the numbers. The median credit card debt in American households is currently $2,300. Many families have various other types of debt as well. According to NerdWallet, the average family owes $178,000 on their mortgage, $27,000 on their auto loan, I'm rounding here, by the way, and $47,000 in student loans. It's a lot, student loans. That's certainly marched up over the years. That's one thing to deal with debt when you have just one type of loan. And maybe you carry a balance on only one credit card. But it can get overwhelming and stressful and confusing if you have multiple types of loans, balances, repayment plans, etc. at the same time. So you need a strategy for that debt repayment. And here's how to determine what to tackle first when you have multiple types of debt. First, organize your debt and the money you owe. Make a list of everything you owe. Cite the balances, the loan amount, the, the minimum monthly payment that you owe on each debt, and the interest rate. And then you want to prioritize that list. Put it in a certain priority. 
Now the list with the highest interest rate to the lowest interest rate is how you should prioritize it. Then you list by the lowest balance to the highest balance owed. Mathematically speaking, the best way to pay off debt is to tackle the debt with the highest interest rate first. Because you'll be saving the most on interest. So when you pay it off, the more you'll save. Number two, here's, how, here's one example of how you could strategically repay all of your listed debt in the most financially efficient way possible. Say you're paying off credit card A at 19% interest. Make the minimum payment on all of your other debts until that credit card A is paid off. Then move on to credit card B. Down to fifth, what, that maybe is charging 15%. Make the minimum payment on all the other debts until you pay that credit card B off and so on. And that's really the simple way to go. It's not, not complex. And you can see that it's leading to the most important part, which is once you can comprehend the extent of your debt, you can create a tangible plan of how to manage and eventually pay all of it off. And that's the ultimate goal. And then you don't stop there. Once you pay off that debt, you say, okay, what was I paying towards that debt on a monthly basis? Now I'm debt-free. It's going to feel good. Then you want to say, I'm going to take that same amount and now put it into savings, investing, an IRA, Roth IRA, 401k, etc., emergency fund, and continue on with that. Don't change that habit. Because the odds are, if you're in much debt, you're probably behind on your retirement goals as well. Now, once you pay down that debt, you might want to get some professional help with your investments. So Steve and I are ready to guide you or your friends or family. So get a message through us on investtalk.com. You can call our Dana Point office at 800-557-5461. Or you can find the contact uh, information right there on investtalk.com. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Now, each month, Steve and I invest a significant amount of time and money into Invest Talk, the radio program, the podcast, and the website as well. So please tell your friends and family members about our Invest Talk platform. Maybe encourage them to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We are committed to helping you achieve above average investing skills. And I'm taking your questions right now, all types of questions. I want to hear from you at 888-99-CHART. listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments though 888-99 chart 888-99 C H A R T and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's go to Gene in North Carolina, but he wants to talk about real estate prices in California? Okay, well, it's uh it's sort of a leading question. Uh I if if I just gave you an example, for example, of a of a uh, a three-bedroom, two-bath house with a garage and a quarter-acre lot. I know the prices are higher in California, but there's a different aspect I want to ask you about. If I was to break down the price of a home in a quarter-acre lot into two components, one is the structure and the other is just for the bare lot, 
Is it true that in California, maybe over 50%, maybe 70 or 80% of the actual price you'd be paying is actually for the empty lot and not for the structure? Yes, that's definitely true. Uh, you know, there, there are varying costs to build uh, around the country, so uh, it, it's, it's certainly not static, but the, the vast majority of the cost of, of purchasing homes in California now, now you're talking about inland in the desert, that might be something uh, different. But if you're along the coast, you know, in, uh, in San Diego, Orange County, Los Angeles, uh, you're talking about the Bay Area, San, you know, uh, Marin County, etc. Those are all going to be homes uh, that you're speaking of, probably in the neighborhood of seven, eight hundred thousand dollars or up, depending on how new they are, nice they are, amenities, etc. And I would say definitely the majority of that cost is the land underneath the home, not necessarily the actual structure. That's what I remember. I, I, mean, I lived in California a long time ago, maybe about 20 years ago. And in the other parts of the country, like where I'm in North Carolina, it's sort of the opposite, where maybe 80 or 70 percent of the actual cost of the, of the how of buying the property is the existing or the new house structure, and it's, it's not the empty, empty lot itself is maybe 20 to 30 percent of the cost. Does that sound right to you? Yeah. Or have you heard of that? Yeah, that's absolutely that, that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I have a, a friend who has a very strong business uh, on the East Coast. Uh, he does uh, repairs, roofs, and things like that, and has, has a very good business. I believe he purchased a home for something about a million and a half dollars, actually in North Carolina, and it's quite the uh, it's quite the home. Uh, you know, it's behind a pearly gate. It's large, and uh, that's what he paid. He couldn't he couldn't stomach coming to California, even though I live in Laguna Beach, California. Uh, he he loves it here as well. His wife does as well, but they can't stomach, you know, maybe a two bedroom condo, three bedroom condo in Laguna Beach, for the same price. So it's certainly uh, real estate is definitely local. Yeah, but, but I guess what I mean. So, so it sounds like the ratios are flipped, are flipped upside down from one place to another. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, it definitely varies. It, it definitely it's not varies the, between. It, and this, that affects the, the amount you pay for um, homeowners insurance, right? Because you're you're just paying for replacing the structure. That's that's somewhat true. Uh, that's a more complex answer. Thanks for the call, Gene. I want to hear from you. 888 chart is the number, 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99Chart, 888 99Chart, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. David Berkeley, how are you doing, David? Pretty good. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for calling. My question has to do with the fact that my son is getting married in December, and to pay for my part of the wedding, I need to generate some liquid cash. Okay. And I was thinking of one of two ways to do that. One is I have a Roth IRA, mm -hmm. which I have about $85,000. Okay. I also have a couple of index mutual funds that I would have to sell to get the cash. Okay. That I would have to pay some capital gains. Uh -huh. I was wondering which might be the better way to go to generate that cash. Let me ask you how old you are, David. 
I'm 63. Okay, so are you able to take money out of that Roth without any tax consequences? I am. It's been over five years. Okay. I'm really opposed to paying taxes wherever possible. Okay, yes. If you have no other sources, and those are the only two choices you're giving me, I would go with the Roth. And I'd rather see you stay in at least for the next three months. I would wait as long as I can, even in the Roth. Uh, you want to just play the odds and see if you can get a little bit extra growth out of it. And I'd take it out of the Roth just because of the tax issues. Okay. Okay. Very helpful. Thanks, David. Thank you very much. Appreciate the call. Let's talk a little bit about interest rates. Uh, it's our main talking point today. How do interest rates affect the stock market? And I want to kind of start with the basics uh, because a lot of people don't really understand where interest rate moves come from. Uh, and, and certainly there is the, the supply and demand of money. And that's really the movement of interest rates. Just like anything, uh, interest rates are the cost of money. Okay, it's the price of money. Just like anything that has a price, that price moves long term, typically by supply and demand. And the Fed, Federal Reserve, controls what is called the Fed funds rate, and this is the rate at which banks borrow f and lend to each other overnight okay and this rate has a, a a direct effect on the overall economy as well as the stock market now the way the fed does this is they either increase the supply of money and that pushes the price of money down right just like anything you increase supply prices tend to fall and vice versa they reduce the supply of money and price of money rises okay now when that fed funds rate rises it starts to affect what is called the prime interest rate and this is a rate that commercial banks charge their credit worthy customers and it's largely based on the fed funds rate this also can affect mortgage loan rates credit card rates as well as other consumer and business loan rates. Why? Because the bank is borrowing from other institutions, other banks. And typically, they are passing that cost on to you, the consumer or the businesses. Now, what this does is this increased cost of capital, cost of money, starts to leak into the economy in various ways. It makes borrowing more expensive. So if you want to go buy a car, the loan is a little more expensive. You want to go buy a house, the mortgage is a little more expensive. You want to carry a balance on your credit card, the credit card rates are a little more expensive. And what that does is it reduces the amount of discretionary spending people have in the economy. And this can also affect business revenues as well as profits. Why? Because their cost to borrow goes up. And you can see how it doesn't necessarily have a quick short-term effect. But what it does is over time that higher cost of, of money becomes a drag on cash flows for businesses and consumers.
Now, usually the rates increases are small, and uh, you know the minimum payment on a credit card will rise slightly, and for most people, it's not a big deal. But it makes it more difficult for people to spend pay down their debt, and those people that were barely hanging on before are suddenly defaulting, and this is this eventually at some point will increase the overall default rate that banks have. So typically, banks will do well as interest rates rise because they can lend at higher rates and pass that on to lenders or consumers and businesses. But at some point, that higher cost of money turns into loan losses, and that's where things turn from positive for banks to negative. Now this is also something you need to understand with it with the bond market. Interest rates rise, bond prices go down. Interest rates go down, bond prices go up. And for income-oriented investors, higher interest rates tend to weigh on what we call bond proxies, utilities, REITs, consumer staple companies that pay dividends. And that's why you saw a lot of them drop earlier in the year and they're starting to recover because rates just really haven't really skyrocketed and they're weakening. So I hope that gives you an understanding of how it eventually will affect companies, markets, consumers, and how interest rates work both near-term and long-term as well. Now tomorrow on Invest Talk, how much tax will you owe on stocks you sell in 2018? We're going to talk about that, but I want to hear from you right now at 888-99-CHART. Our Invest Talk podcast continues one of KPP Financial's solutions that help solve today's retirement puzzle is our balanced income portfolio. How do you get the income you need in retirement without the kind of risk that you don't feel comfortable with? That's what this program is all about, the balanced income portfolio from KPP Financial. And remember, as with each KPP program, the principles at KPP are invested right along with you. Would you like to know more about it? The Balanced Income Portfolio? You can call 888-99-CHART and follow the prompts, or you can ask Steve about it directly. Just click on the Contact Steve button on investtalk.com. Now let's get back to the podcast. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888 99CHART, 888 99CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. 888 99CHART is our number, 888 992 4278. We're going to go to Dennis in Richmond. Hi, Dennis. How are you doing? Thank you for, for taking my call. Got a question for you. Uh, what do you know about private equity? I've got. Uh... Uh, uh, they scare me. How's that? Okay. <laughs> you know, there's obvious reasons. Private equity means that someone's trying to produce money to build a company, to run a company, to manage a company, and their idea is eventually to take it public. When it does, you as a private equity investor, you're buying shares while it's private. Right. In the right. company. And while it's private, you know, it's what's its value? Is value whatever? Maybe the company's worth something. Maybe it's not. It's hard to know because you got to find someone else to buy it from you, you personally. But once it goes public, you can cash in big, and that's the whole attractiveness of it. Uh-huh. 
So why you have so, someone offering so, you a private equity thing, Dennis? Uh, yeah, yeah. I get those all the time. Yeah. You're uh, gonna do it? Well, I haven't decided yet. The biggest thing on these, Dennis, is do you know the people? Do you trust the people? If you don't know them, I would walk away. If you know them very well and you know all about that business, then you have special knowledge, then you could do it. But they are so good. The brochures and everything looks so good. And I would run the other way if these are just out of the blue and you don't, you know, that someone just found you. Run. Well, I have to get my running shoes in. Okay. (laughs) I've just seen too much of this stuff go sour. That's why. Just too much. I'd say nine out of ten. Go bad, you lose all your money. Yep. But that yep. one tent, that one, you could be a multimillionaire. That's the why it's 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 why it's attractive sometimes. Okay, I don't think my luck is that good. Yeah, I'd run. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. They the call. appreciate it. Thank okay. you. Okay, let's go to George on Liso Viejo. How are you doing, George? Question about international markets: Do they run a cycle like we have in the, in the United States, like the Christmas rally or the presidential? They used to be very, very much tied to our markets, mm-hmm. but they're getting less and less so. They do yeah. not have the Christmas cycle other than us forcing them to the Christmas cycle. Remember, especially the international markets and emerging markets in Asia, they're not... Yeah, well, no, I realize. I didn't mean specifically, the, the, but I meant do they have other cycles? Other cycles, I see. Uh, similar to that. They haven't been around long enough, most of them, to have developed those kinds of things. Our market's been... It's old. And it's demonstrated years and years and years of yeah. cycles, whereas theirs yeah. has not been. And theirs is tied much more to their economy, their growth of commodities and farm, because they're still in their infancy as a market. Yeah, I know. I see that one of the India funds I watched would go up a couple, three weeks. It'd be up 20, 25 percent. And the next time it's down 15, it's like, whoa, it's a kind Very of a roller, roller coaster. Yeah, that's right, George. George has hit the nail on the head. They can be, these merging markets can be very volatile, and they are. An individual stock up and down 3% one day and down, up, down, and 3% day to day to day is not unusual for them. Yeah, so I, you got to be prepared for that if you're going to buy these, these ADRs. Yeah. Boy, can it be a roller coaster, George. You're right on there. All right. Thank you. Thanks, George. Let's talk a little bit about the housing market. Uh, we had a call earlier today. Uh, we had a call yesterday about home prices and it's true that the medium home value has now risen about eight percent over the past year and the majority of markets nationwide are now majority of homes nationwide are now more valuable than they were pre-recession right the pre uh the last housing bubble and a lot of people are going to use that as a stat that says well home prices are unsustainable they're overvalued we're in another bubble uh, and and I would say there is some truth to that but it's not the same type of bubble or overvaluation that you saw in the last era the last era was driven by poor underwriting standards by appraisals that were biased and inflated by banks that were packaging up mortgages and slicing off pieces to make them look like they're safe when they're really not. Even though the underlying underwriting practices were very poor and risky. And so what, what are, what's driving home prices today? Well, first off, you have to talk about 
jobs and incomes. Because long-term, incomes and the level that they rise at determines the long-term increase in real estate prices. Why? Because what pays mortgages? What pays rents? Well, incomes. So for an aggregate, long-term, for housing prices to go up, people need to make more money. And while that's certainly happening, to a degree, many don't feel it's happening as fast as it should. And that's a topic for another discussion. So that's to start. Incomes are rising. Now we go into recession. Things certainly will change. There will be layoffs. How much will incomes go down? It's hard to know, but that will certainly be an, a, a factor that will determine what happens to real estate prices during the next recession. How bad is that next recession? And then the second factor has to do with interest rates. And this is what has been a tailwind to real estate prices for the past 30, 35 years, is that interest rates have been on a steady march down. Why? Because central banks have fought every recession with lower rates. And lower rates than what you saw during the previous boom or previous good market. Now we're kind of at the end of that rope. Okay? So it's certainly been uh, the, the, the drop in the Fed funds rate to really zero or negative, if you include QE, is really what has been a been rocket fuel, I would say, to the overall housing market. So where interest rates go from here? Well, I think long term they go up. And that is going to be a headwind for real estate prices globally, or globally and locally. So don't think that uh, you know we're, we're necessarily in the same type of bubble or overvaluation that we were in before. It's driven by different factors. And I think the main difference is this is driven secondarily by very low interest rates, which may or may not stay at these levels. Whereas before it was mainly the, the secondary factor, because you had a good economy then, was poor underwriting standards poor practices within the industry. Have those all been fixed? No. But it's not the same type of market as you saw in the last bubble. Managing multiple mutual funds, researching professional services, where to put your savings. If it's about money and if it's important to you, we want to know more about it. We're here for you. 888-99-CHART is how to reach Steve or Justin right now on Invest Talk. Let's go talk to Steve in Newport Beach. How are you doing, Steve? Oh, very good. How are you? Good. Thanks for calling. Uh, I have a question. I've been doing some married put positions recently and have very good success with them. But now the market's kind of changing, and I'm wondering how, what your take is on buying stock and also buying a put for protection in case it unwinds unexpectedly. I, I like the options game. I, I do. I like uh, you know selling puts, buying puts, depending on what stock you're talking about, whether you want to own it or you want to get rid of it. And it is very good. They call that insurance in my my business. And I see nothing wrong with that, Steve. I think it's a technique a lot of people use uh, use successfully. And for everybody else out there, this means if you sell, you know, if you do put options. 
they could put the stock to you. In other words, let's say you wanted to buy Apple, but you wanted to buy it when it reaches a closer to the 200-day moving average. Well, you can buy an option that will put that stock to you at that price or below. Actually, at that price, but they might get it below. And you can get a premium for it at the same time. So Yeah, you'd, you'd be selling a put to accomplish that. Yeah. So someone would put the stock to you if it falls to that price. If it doesn't fall to that price, you get to keep the premium. Yeah, it might be a dollar a share, I don't know, two dollars a share, depending on how far out. There's a lot of issues. I don't really want to get into that, Steve, because, you know, not too many people know how to do this. But uh, as far as a, a, an investment strategy, I think it's very good. We do that in a small part of our portfolios, selling puts and the stocks we want to own. Cause you get a yeah, I'm, I'm not selling puts. I'm buying puts. I okay. own the stock, and I also buy a put. Okay, so if you get to put it to somebody and protect your downside risk. Right. Mm -hmm. And you don't mind if it doesn't go down there because you get to hold, hold on to your stock, and it didn't fall. So it's okay with you. Yeah, it's if I buy the protection a little bit higher than what, I'm, what it's trading at, then I can hold it through a downturn mm -hmm. without having to puke it up at the that's absolute right. bottom. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, <laughs> Steve, I, I really, I think that's a good good, uh, a good way to do it, a good uh, okay. technique. So, yeah, keep it. As long as you know how to do it, it's not really for everybody because the issue of how much premium you're getting and how long you, how long is it out there before it expires. Oh, yeah. And, and so there, it gets complex to, a lot of people have trouble keeping an eye on that stuff and learning and understanding what's going on. For anybody who wants to do it that's familiar and comfortable with it, yeah, I think it's a good idea. Okay, great. Thanks, Steve. Appreciate the call. I'm Justin Klein. I thank you for making time to join us here each weekday from about 4 until 5 p.m. Pacific time. It's streamed live through investtalk.com as well and broadcast live in the Bay Area on AM 1220 KDOW. Now, do you know what we have created a set of integrated platforms the Invest Talk Radio broadcast, as well as the live streaming on the web presentation, a deep podcast library, and of course, all of the resources on investtalk.com. So while I'm thinking about it, why don't you go over to iTunes for just, just a minute, it takes a minute to subscribe, as well as maybe review, rate and review the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc., so this will make it easier for everybody to find us in searches and just get our message out there to a broader audience. Well, the phone lines are open for the last segment of the day. I'm here for you, ready for your questions at 888-99-CHART. InvestTalk is made possible by KPP Financial where their disciplined equity program offers consistent exposure to the equity markets by focusing only on high-quality companies listed on U.S. exchanges. KPP has developed a strategy that filters through thousands of stocks based on business quality, chart strength, and underlying value. With this strategy, your portfolio is concentrated, but KPP limits exposure to any one sector of the market. Now, you can try to duplicate this strategy on your own, or you can get serious and call Steve or Justin at their Dana Point, California office, or send a contact message to Steve or Justin through investtalk.com. And now, Justin's here, and he's happy to answer your investing questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, guys. Love the show. I just have a quick question. So I just graduated college, got my first job. Everything's going great. 
but I'm trying to make a little extra money on the side. Recently, I started day trading. I haven't invested a ton of money in there just yet because I'm just getting started off. But I want to know if you had any tips or recommendations for me going forward uh, with day trading or if you had any other better investment opportunities for me that you think I need to utilize now in my young 20s. That would be helpful too. Thanks for the help, guys. Love the show. Well, I would say when you're looking at day trading, all you're focusing on is the technicals. Uh, understand technicals, understand indicators, uh, RSI, R squared, uh, MACD, candlestick patterns, and I would say patterns. Uh, pattern recognition when it comes to chart reading is probably a number one for me if you are day trading. Now, I don't recommend it for uh, most people. you got to have a lot of experience. You're going to cut your teeth and learn a lot of things the hard way. Uh, it's very emotional. Uh, you need to have a plan going in of any trade, and you need to stick to it. And that's certainly the, 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 at least the long and short of how to be successful as a day trader now. Uh, it's difficult. 90-plus percent of people fail at it, uh, mainly because that emotional aspect. And so uh, do, you know, do I recommend any, uh, anything else? At your young age, I would say just continue to learn. Continue to learn how to save. Uh, you want to make more money, uh, and you ultimately want to make uh, more money to save and build a nest egg, build a safety in your financial life. So, uh, I love the question. Uh, I understand that day trading is hard. Don't, uh, don't, don't jump in too quickly. Start small. Learn when you learn your mistakes. Uh, hopefully, they don't cost you too much. Right, and that's why you always start small. So I hope that helped. Glad I could. Uh, hope glad we can help out some new investors and uh, hopefully avoid those mistakes that are, are classic. You know, new investors tend to do that. They tend to jump in the day trading and they think they, they they make one or two good trades and they think they know exactly what they're doing. But odds are you're going to kind of fall flat on your face at some point and you need to, you'll probably be humbled by it but you need to be aware that of the risks and make sure you're not risking more than you're willing to lose 888-99 chart 888-992-4278 is how you get through and ask your question on this Wednesday edition of Invest Talk. we are going into the last segment show is nearing the end but we still have about 10 minutes left in the program so let's talk about the financial and investing questions that are on your mind. Get your calls in now. I want to hear from you. 888 chart That's 888-992-4278. This is Invest Talk. You're listening to an encore presentation of Invest Talk. Please call with your questions and comments, though, 888-99-CHART, 888-99-CHART, and Steve will answer them on the next Invest Talk. Let's go to Bill in Fremont. How you doing, Bill? I'm okay. How are you, Justin? I'm doing great. You have a question about trading? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, I'm new at trading. I haven't even opened an account or anything like that. Just kind of on a simulator. I was wondering if there's any kind of classes I could take that would help me with my trading skills if I but when I jump into it, I, I just going into a blind and just doing it on my own just doesn't seem right. I just don't feel right about doing that. Can you recommend classes or something? 
Well, I can't recommend classes. I can say that we are working on something along those lines uh, uh, that may be coming out the end of the, uh, near the end of this year. Um, so just FYI okay. on that. Uh, uh, but I would say what you continue to paper trade and focus on technicals, focus on pattern recognition, understanding okay. uh, you know, consolidation patterns, support resistance, those type of things. That's where you're going to find the best trades, uh, Fibonacci retracement, things like that. Those are what you need to use and, and learn, and you'll, you'll be a much better trader if you do that. So uh, I can't yeah, sit here and okay. recommend a particular, a particular uh, uh, class, but we do have books on our site that are technical focused, and that might be a good place to start, to start learning candlestick patterns and things like that. Yeah, that's what I've been doing on the simulator with Investopedia. Uh, I, I don't want to be a quick trader. I don't, I'm not in it for the short run. I want to, you know, get in for the long haul. And Steve and you guys have been talking about that, you know, short-term trade. Gotcha. This doesn't work that well. You know, I can I, I understand your point on that one. You guys are talking about having I see. Uh, I don't. I see. Then, then, so then you're, you're working on being an investor. Right, exactly. I, I don't want to do quick trades. I don't know. You guys are saying gotcha. a lot okay. about doing stuff like that. Okay. Gotcha. So we got we got our terminology mixed up. So trading to me is is, is short term. When you say trading, I'm just starting to trade. Uh, that that's 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 short term. When you say I'm gotcha. going to be in it for the long term, that's saying I'm just starting to invest. I'm starting to put money to work. Um, so so I would say uh, once again we are uh, working on something like that. Those classes uh, later in the the year. So look out for that. Uh, however, what I would do is, like I said, go to our website. There's a book section, and you'll you'll you just start lear learning terminology, understanding how businesses work, both the, the how the economy works, how different industries uh, and the companies within them operate. Uh, learn what an economic moat is, what all the different uh, uh, metrics that you're going to be looking at are. Those type of things are, are what you really need to do, and focus on saving. You said you just started saving. Continue to do that and learn for at least a year before you really start to put money to work and invest. I sure will. I know you recommended that not too long ago, and I was really happy to hear that. I didn't mean trade. I actually did mean long term, like you said. I don't want to do quick trade. I didn't know the terminology was wrong there. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. well, there you Dr. go. Thank that's you very uh, much. that's <laughs> why we're here. We're trying, trying to clarify everything for you. Thanks, Bill. Our Invest Talk mission is to help you make better investing decisions. To do that on your own, thumbs up or thumbs down choices based on good, solid investing principles. But we need your questions to keep us on track. 888-99-CHART or click on Contact Steve or Contact Justin on investtalk.com. 888-99-CHART. Actually, are we, I think we're close to the end of the show. Uh, I want to take a quick look at the, the market today. We had a really uh, bloody day in the market overall. You had a strong dollar. You still have uh, really what we're seeing is uh, the strong dollar starting to really weigh globally. Uh, and it's starting to hit home here uh, in the United States. And you, you've already seen it uh, overseas. Emerging markets are not doing very well. And that is why you're starting to see these cracks. Uh, the strong dollar has, has held up our markets and our economy is doing relatively well. But what you're going to start seeing in the back half of the year is growth slowing here as well. It's already slowed and been slowing for a while. 
overseas because of that strong dollar, because of tightened liquidity conditions worldwide, it, it typically starts in emerging markets where you start to see the ramifications of tighter money. And that is what you're seeing today. So I hope that sheds a little bit of life, light, excuse me, on what is happening in the markets and why you saw such a big bloody day today. Well, our hour is up. Thanks for tuning in on this Wednesday. Another Best Talk radio show, which will soon be posted to our podcast library at investtalk.com. I'm Justin Klein. Thanks for listening. Steve Peasley will be back on duty tomorrow, and I'll be back on Monday. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART.